Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. We live in an age where gender equality and talks of equal pay are all around us, but more frequently than not, the plight of the woman of color, and even more specifically black women, is left out. I was very grateful to learn that McKinsey and Company and the Lean In organization did a study called Women in the Workplace. And in that study, it talks about the differences between white women and women of color and also black women and what we face in the workplace. It's so important to me because guess what? I'm a black woman. But it was the first time that I'd actually seen data that drew a straight line between what we knew to be true as women of color in our feelings and the empirical data that proved that our feelings were real. Frequently, I've been asked to speak on the topic of women of color in the workplace. I've even written about it. You may recall my article on microaggressions that was recently published in Black Enterprise. If you haven't read it, I suggest you do. Because what happened to me in that deli was exactly a personification of what has happened to me and countless other women of color in the workplace. There is a concept called double outsiders. And I mentioned this on the episode with Jared Hill. And what that means is, as a black woman, as women of color even, we are the exact opposite of what is expected in the workplace, especially when you consider who has the power. So let's just say that the majority typically see someone like me and assumes that they are support or admin or housekeeper or janitor, but maybe not even that, maybe, maybe even the intern, maybe even the junior associate, but hardly ever the one who's in charge, hardly ever the boss. And unfortunately, with the retirement of Ursula Burns, who was a CEO at Xerox for some time, when she retired, we had zero African-American women holding the reins at the tippy top of a Fortune 500. Think about that. Now there's more data. And there's data that shows that there's more African-American women entrepreneurs than any other group. This data 
was actually out there before the McKinsey report. But the McKinsey report also drew another straight line between those growing numbers of business owners who are black women and those black women leaving corporate America. There's also data that shows that black women hold more advanced degrees or more degrees at all than any other group. So what is going on? Black women are smart. They're educated. But we're back to square one. Institutionally, people just don't expect us to run things. Which is why I'm very pleased to have our next guest on the show. She reminds me a lot of myself. If you recall, I ran an agency for about a decade in Dallas-Fort Worth. Very proudly, my agency was the only one owned by a black woman that was full service in Dallas-Fort Worth. And I will say this again, it was full service. And I say that because people assume, because I am a black woman, that it was a diversity agency. Ladies and gentlemen, it was not. We prided ourselves in having the entire pie from corporate communications to consumer public relations to franchise public relations to international public relations. I could enumerate a whole line of capabilities. And yes, my 100% owned agency did it all. So since I've been back in corporate America, well, actually, this is my first time in a big corporation. I spent most of my time in global agencies serving said big corporations. But since I've been on this side, and right now I call myself an extrapreneur because I just can't fight the itch I have to scratch that itch, which is the entrepreneur. I take it upon myself to pour into the black women that I see that are trying to run businesses, trying to launch them, and I should say successfully running their own businesses. From my makeup artists, and I say that with an S because there are a few in different cities, my stylist, my web designer, happens to also be a marketing pro, a PR pro, and she is a techie. Her name is Summer Galvez, and I met her, of all places, at my church. Now, my church is different, too. It's not, I don't, I don't think it's typical at all. The marketing department is off the chain. Led by Keelan Moore. Shout out to Keelan. I often meet my church members at conferences where I'm speaking. And I'm so thrilled to see them among Fortune 500 marketers learning the exact same thing. Well, Summer is an extension of that marketing team. But she contracts with Summer G Creative. Without further ado, meet my friend, my web designer, my webmaster, Summer Galvez. 
everybody how you doing summer has a few things to talk about but at first I want to brag on her she did such an excellent job on my site and I've gotten so many compliments about it because it's not just modern and clean but of course it's chock full of information but you can actually get to the information in a really user-friendly way which is so important because I needed some place for my content to live it, was, it wasn't all over the internet, but I felt like it was just dispersed and it wasn't all in one place. And Summer was able to build something that was user-friendly, easy to navigate, and it looked good too. So if you guys need any kind of web services and she gets marketing and PR too, call Summer. And your company Please is called? It's SG Creative Agency. So it's summergcreative.com. Awesome. And Summer's in business for herself. So before we start talking about entrepreneurship and even how she sits at the intersection of tech, culture, and business, let's have our culture soup moment. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So as you know, I always pull either a hashtag, a trending topic, or even a, a topic that's popular on the internet, on the interwebs. That's for sure. And when I think about you, and we'll unveil why a little bit later, mm -hmm. one of those topics that never goes away online, and you can see people debating about it, you can see people being opinionated about it, you have mm -hmm. coaches out there to talk about this topic all the time. I can think of a few different faces and names okay. that okay. talk about relationships. And... Seems to me lately on your IG and on Twitter, people have been shooting you questions about this very topic. They have. <laughs> because you can't escape relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's everywhere you turn. Whether you're married, whether you're in, in platonic relationships, there's so many different levels. Mm -hmm. So I think we're all just trying to figure out how can we be better friends, better uh, family members, be better lovers mm -hmm. to those around us? How do we engage and have more meaningful relationships? And unfortunately, you know, social media doesn't make it any better because that has truly disrupted how we communicate on an authentic level. You right. Know? So let's talk about that because I have seen people do things that they wouldn't typically do <laughs> on Facebook on Twitter, on social media in general. I remember one time there was this man that I had, I had no idea he was having a hard time with his wife. But at mm -hmm. some point he changed his relationship status to, it's complicated. And I, I said, whoa, like, did I really want to know that? Have you seen people kind of use the, the social webs as a, a tool in a way that maybe they wouldn't have if they didn't have it when it comes to relationships? Well well, you got to look at what social media is. It's now connecting you with people all over the world. So this is not even just people within your immediate community, your immediate family and friends and people you went to school with. Now we're talking about strangers who are now connected to you. And I think a lot of people are using it to, you know, set up false pretenses mm -hmm. or appear to be something that they're not. Or maybe they're trying to connect with other people and, you know, not truly being authentic about what's happening in their real mm -hmm. lives. So it's like on social media, I can paint this picture of what I want you to believe about me. Or I want, maybe if I want, maybe if, I, if I'm in a relationship, but I want other female mm -hmm. attention, 
that I need to put out there that maybe I, that I'm not married or right. that it's complicated, right. that, you know, to give someone else false hope mm-hmm. or make them think there's an opportunity. And so social media is just full of this fantasy really is what it is. It's a lot of fantasy. It's a lot of fakery, right. You know, fraudulent activity. And I think you have to really, really work harder to vet the people that you're communicating mm-hmm. with because people will sell you a dream in a minute. So, you know, you got to do your due diligence. You still got to get references, ask around, Mm -hmm. you know, not just, not just take what you're being told online, you know, and then there's catfishing. We haven't even gotten into that. (laughs) There are people stealing attractive pictures and posting profiles as if that is them to get attention or to have somebody to talk to and fill a void in their lives. So then there's that, you know? So do you think that the internet and social media has improved communications and dialogue around the topic of relationships? Are we just ignorant at a higher level? I think it has allowed us obviously greater reach. And now you can connect with people that otherwise you may have had to go through other channels to get to. So it's improved communication in the way that, you know, you have more access Mm -hmm. But I definitely think it's it's hindered us in how to have authentic conversation and authentic interaction because now everybody's just, you know, they're Twitter thugs, you know, thumb thugs. Just you you say things on the interwebs that you otherwise would not say to somebody's face, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I always wonder, too, about some of these relationship coaches out there. Some of them are credentialed. Others of them are not. But they, they talk a good game and they have a great fellowship. Credentialed from where? Well, <laughs> yeah. Of the great university of race relationshipology. Yeah. No. Right. No, but the, I mean, like, when you think of, like, Paul Brunson, like, he is an established voice. Yeah. I mean, and there are others, like, there's a continuum where you get to this other end of the spectrum and it's like mm, who is that they're a little sketchy but they have this huge following and people believe them right what do you think about that i think people in general are always looking for hope mm-hmm. so if there's this figure this expert in a in an area that seems to have their life together you know and they say beautiful things and they know how to word things just so and it gets me riled up and it evokes the emotions that I need somebody to speak Mm -hmm. to then I'm gonna follow I like what he's saying that that doesn't mean that and this is not against Paul because obviously I don't know I don't know him personally but just people in general Mm -hmm. you know it could be anyone um what is your message and is your message connecting Mm -hmm. and I think because there are so many people that are looking for what is their next step in life, whether it's a, a more health, healthier relationship, um, you know, love life, or if it's um, a different career or career change, mm-hmm. people are just looking for someone yeah. who can give them hope that there's, that there's better out there. So if it's a relationship coach that can tell you or guide you on how to date better or, you know, present yourself better, then you're going to gravitate yeah. towards that because that's in your life. And people are looking for fulfillment somewhere. Yeah. There's one thing that kind of turns me off when I see a male coach zero in on women and tell them, this is what you need to do to catch a man. This is how you correct yourself in order to, you know, get the holy grail that is a man. Uh, and I'm like, as if that's the holy grail. Yeah. Um, and as if we need to correct all of these things because we're doing all of these things wrong. Right. And of course, they're doing everything right. Right. 
does that bug you too? Because it seems like there's a lot of that out there. It does, but again, there's an audience for that. So unfortunately, there are a lot of broken women who are looking for some sort of male leadership, male guidance. I'm not saying all, obviously, but I think mm-hmm. their audience is a woman who feels like she needs a man to tell her how to be a better woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not, I got nothing. I'm not in the audience. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right. I'm like, I, I got nothing. I don't need that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I saw somebody post a meme and it was talking about how, you know, you just need to wait, you know, for the right man. And then towards the bottom there, it said, you'll, you'll find someone who will ultimately be your soulmate and he'll protect you and he'll guide you. And then it got into like, correct you. And I was like, whoa, wait, 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 that meme took a turn. (laughs) I wasn't ready for Like, why do I need to be corrected? And I mean, the way they set up this power structure just in a few lines. And I was like, wow, somebody's going to read that and say, oh, that means so much to me. And that scares me. You know, this is a whole nother podcast. <laughs> this can go so many other ways that I think we right? use it. Because <laughs> this, I, I think that in general, again, there's an audience uh, of women who see validation in marriage. You know, if if they're not married, then... And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who feed that. So it's like, I mean, oh, yeah. I'm I'm in my late 30s. I'm 37, and I'm single, mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. never met anybody I wanted to marry. But people mm-hmm. will ask you, you know, so what's wrong with you, or why are you single? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you married? Well, I mean, you're assuming that marriage is some goal for me. Right. That's an assumption, and that's your assumption. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's not every woman's. You know, it, things and times are different. And I certainly believe yes. in the sanctity of marriage. And I would love to be married if that's what God has for me. But I'm just going to be honest with myself. My life is, is very full as a single woman. It Could it be fuller mm-hmm. with a spouse and children? Sure. But I'm not, you know, that's not on my list of, you know, to do. So meet a man to complete me and, and well, guard and, and cover me and, you know. That's healthy, Summer. I'm glad to hear that because I run into a lot of women that are just so bent on just no matter what. They got to get married. Someone even told me, I just want a shot at it. And I'm like, wow, that really puts you in a precarious position because that means that you're going to marry the first person that comes your way that offers you a ring. And I just want to tell her, you know, I'm I'm single again. So I, I know what it is to be married. I know what it is to be single, and I tell them every time it's just a different flavor of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> like you have you have your issues when you're single, you have your issues when you're married. Um, the right. difference is that you have somebody else's along with you, which is a totally different ball of wax. And that, that nobody's is the really part. hey, listen, that's right. the part that that makes me slow down and say mm-hmm. I don't want to rush into anything. You know, mm-hmm. society would have me believe I need to rush, you know, and yes. especially I do have a biological clock, obviously, like that's a thing that's not some myth that's out there like, oh, you have to No, really, I cannot produce indefinitely. Right. So if I want to be a mother, then this has to be at the forefront of my mind, like reproduction. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that outside of marriage. At least that's not where my head is at yet. You know, I haven't mm-hmm. settled on co- just co-parenting being an option or anything, but, um, at the same time, I just have to be honest with myself and say, I don't want to rush into anything and acquire another's baggage. Right. 
I like my bags. My bags are, are enough for me at this point. You know your own bags. Yeah. You know them. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm comfortable with my bags. Like, yeah. I have worked pretty hard for these to be very light bags. You know yes. What I'm and little so, ones. So, yeah. So, it, it would take a lot for me to feel like things were different or, or another way. But, there uh, again, there are women who need a spouse and it, and it's not a dig at them you know it's if it, there's something i think there's just it's just different strokes for different folks i'm sure our listeners are wondering why i spent all this time on relationships and it's because you have something coming down the pipe so I want to talk about what that is first, and then we're going to rewind a little bit and talk about Summer G and how we ended up here as an entrepreneur, as a marketer, um, as Summer. So what's coming down the pipe that made me ask you about relationships? Well, I am launching my very own podcast called Dear Summer G. Yay! Yeah, it launches <laughs> in, uh, in January of 2019. It's a Q&A podcast where I say, ask me anything. And it really started from uh, my social media, which I got on Twitter back in 2009. And it was never meant to be a business account or just to push you know, products and services that I was offering on a professional level. It was just me being myself. And that's really how my social media following has evolved mm-hmm. is through um, organic relationships and real conversation. Um, I did an internet radio show back in 2009 to 2011 and I had a segment called the ignorant topics hashtag ignorant topics you can still search that on Twitter by the way and still come up with some of those ignorant topics you can reference those and so um it was just a way of introducing really taboo material to the Twitter timeline and engaging with different people and there's there's some celebrities who engaged as well so you know it was just it was fun and it was me I'm a Gemini I'm super random so today I might be you know okay wait Gemini that means you have an evil twin like there's twins that's a myth we get such a a bad rap yeah no okay so Gemini's um we do have multiple personalities um but that doesn't mean like good and one is bad. Yeah. Like right. we're normally very, very creative. Um, mm-hmm. fluid thinkers. We're kind of, we can be here. We can be there. We're very, very, um, very understanding to other people's, uh, perspectives. So mm-hmm. for instance, if you and I are discussing a topic and I feel very strongly about one way and you feel mm-hmm. you're on the polar opposite end of that, uh, discussion, I can still empathize with you. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. not so hell bent or stubborn in my opinion that I can't even see uh, what, what you're saying. I can't understand your, mm-hmm. your point of view. And Jim and I are very much that way. We're kind of dual minded in that way. And so mm-hmm. it allows us to be very flexible, you know? So, um, yeah, but I don't have an evil so, plan. Well, that's good. But sometimes, good. sometimes uh, D- dear summer G speaks to kind of, speaks to that. So there'll be subject matter mm-hmm. there that is business centric where we're talking about, you know, uh, things that relate to me in a professional uh, world. So some of the things I talk about with my clients or things, mm-hmm. topics that, that come up on the timeline that I'm speaking to in terms of, it could be marketing or freelancing or business startup or, or tech. But then there's also the other twin that loves 
engaging on a personal level and that, mm-hmm. you know, your favorite li- song lyrics. I'm a ni- I'm a 90s R&B junkie. Like that is mm-hmm. era. OK, mm-hmm. I love getting into lyrics and talking about music or it can be relationship topics, it, mm-hmm. you know, budgeting and extreme couponing. It could be a number of things, you know. Right. I'm here then everywhere. So. That's what the- yeah. And you're going to have experts along. Absolutely. So I've acquired uh, a pretty fair network of uh, friends in the industry, celebrities, um, people in entertainment, friends and mentors and clients that I want to give some shine to. So you'll be on the podcast as well. We're going to talk about all right. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about communication and tech and, and all the wonderful things that you've done in your space, the blog will definitely not just be my opinion. It's not just, mm-hmm. you know, what is something, but it's engaging some of those other experts and people who can offer dynamic commentary to the subject as well. Awesome. And some of it will be a little bit off, you know, off kilter. There, there's a couple of celebrities that I'm going to pull for topics that have nothing to do with what you would associate them with, mm-hmm. but it'll also kind of show a different side to them as well. Well, that sounds fun. So everybody, until she launches, you need to follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Summer G, right? Absolutely, yep. Okay. And then we don't have a launch date yet, but we know it's going to be sometime in... It'll be early January. Okay. So you got to follow her online so that you'll know when it's going to launch. Okay? All right, great. So... Summer, how did we get here? Okay. So now you're launching a podcast. We know that you run a very successful web design marketing PR agency. So tell us how we got into, you got into uh, entrepreneurship. When were you bitten by the bug? When were you bitten by the tech bug? Just tell us, tell us about Summer. Those are going to be separate answers. But first, I would say entrepreneurship. I've been hustling since. I probably got my first dollar, okay? I remember being in elementary school drawing on book covers, on the backs of book covers for a dollar because I was an oh, wow. artist. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you want me to, you like my bubble letters. You want me to draw bubble <laughs> Oh, that's a dollar. Bubble letters. <laughs> I remember those. My early early hustle, you know, drawing uh-huh. book covers. Uh, I think I had a candy locker in high school. I wrote papers. I would write people's uh, end of year Papers, essays. Oh, yeah, that was the thing. Don't some people? Some people probably. <laughs> I think we're it. we're out of that, you know, that yeah. time frame where yeah, they can yeah. come get you. limitations is yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've always been. Um, I'm an only child, so I've always been, you know, just very uh, self reliant and looking for ways to, you know, just take care of myself, whatever that meant. Mm-hmm. So um, obviously, earning my own dollar. Mm-hmm. is a part of that, you know? Uh, so I was always looking for something to do in high school that way. I discovered web design in high school. Uh, we were back then. So this is before the high school, this is 1998. So this is obviously before any sort of social media back then social media was chat rooms. So like AOL yes. or Yahoo chat rooms, that's, that's as good as it got for you to connect mm-hmm. with somebody in another, in another country, or another city. And uh, a girlfriend of mine, we both played soccer and I didn't even have a computer at the time. She had a computer at her house and she discovered this AOL chat room. And <laughs> so I would, after practice, like I would go out over her house 
and talk in the chat rooms until probably nine o'clock. That's why I could, I had to go home, you know, right. <laughs> and if you wanted to back then, if you wanted to, um, like post your pictures, you had to build a website, like yeah. angel fire, geo cities, tripod, like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Those were the hosting providers for you to have your own site, but it was right. all hard. It was all inline HTML. Right. Mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. was, there was no profile for you to set up. And I had a geo city site. We all did. We all had probably yeah, five. And I put, um, um, it was a guest book. That's how I got into coding. I just wanted to be social. I wanted to meet other people and flirt with boys. And that's how I could get my pictures online. I had to uh, <laughs> build a website. So and it's so funny. There is actually a website I built in 1999 that is still live. You're kidding me. I'm not. It is all. You're going to point us to it? Or I'm not. not gonna... <laughs> It'll, it <will> be <laughs> it's not representative of your work today. You know, no, no. It's not even that. It's humbling because it's like, mm-hmm. gosh, like. You really, I showed it to somebody and I was like, there was no CSS. There was no, there were no scripts. Mm-hmm. There was inline HTML code and you had to know hexadecimal codes and you had to like, when you look at it, there's like running GIFs and animation. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. It is awful. But it, it, it makes me feel good because I'm like, I was doing this before anybody, you know, like back in the gap before most people were even on this, I mm-hmm. was sitting, you know, typing away at my computer, head down. So when did tech and entrepreneurship come together for you? Honestly, it was uh, more necessity than anything. I remember um, launching or trying to launch a business with a friend and we had hired somebody off Craigslist. Now, mind you, this is during a time where I wasn't actively designing websites. Mm-hmm. I still knew code, but I wasn't, I had other jobs. So this wasn't something I was doing, you know, at that time. And so we were like, hey, I, like I can give him enough guidance to get this site up. We found somebody on Craigslist for like 250 or maybe not oh, wow. so It may have been like 500. It may have been mm-hmm. 500. And so we're like, okay, we're going to hire this guy to do the website. Um, whatever he doesn't do, I can pick up and do, you know. Needless to say, we gave him a deposit and never heard from him again. And so it was an yeah. expensive lesson. Like, you know what, Summer, you you already know how to do this. Just put your nose, go get back to it, catch back up, you know, see what, mm-hmm. see what you've missed out on and get back to it. And that was really it. It was just necessity. So when was Summer um, G Creative actually launched? How long has it been around? Well, the that's actually a rebrand. So the initial company was Print Media, P-R-E-N-T mm-hmm. Media, which was launched in 2002 while I was still in college. Mm-hmm. That was it was public relations and entertainment media, and so um, that was the name of the company until early 2018 when I went through a rebrand, and it just made sense mm-hmm. to rebrand because everybody already knew it was my company that Print Media was me. But because of the following that I had established online and the relationships, I just felt like it was time for me to come out, you know, from the background and actually name it, you know, after myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the services that you provide. Well, we're a full scale boutique marketing agency. So everything from PR to marketing strategy, uh, website and graphic design, social media management, uh, photography and video, just a wide array of stuff. And my clients really love it because 
they come to me to do everything. So it's like, mm-hmm, hey, mm-hmm. So here, here's the objective. And I can pull all the, the players in to say, here's, here's our objective, here's our timeline. And we start brainstorming from there. Yeah, well, you have several clients that um, appreciate your work. I'm one of them. There's one other client that I like to talk about because we, we actually share a relationship with them. And that is our home church, Concord oh, Church, yes, which is yes. actually how I got exposed to your work. So what do you do for Concord? So Concord has been a client since 2012. Uh, it initially began as just social media management. And since then, I, they've also uh, brought me in for other projects. So presently, I'm handling all of the email marketing. Uh, they also have an annual preaching conference. And it's in, the, it's, in its 24th year now. So last year, uh, SGCA serviced the complete marketing management company for all of the tasks around this really large preaching conference of over a thousand preachers from around the world. So that was a a great uh, campaign to do last year, but I work a lot with their marketing department. They have an amazing in-house team, so they don't need me to do everything for them. They're fully self-sufficient on their own, but they have a lot of, a lot of times they just need, you know, extra help because of bandwidth. So, and I'm, I'm so blessed to serve. Absolutely. It's a blessing. Where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at summer underscore Galvez. That's S-U-M-M-E-R underscore G-A-L-V-E-Z. And you can also actually visit the Dear Summer G website. Awesome. Can they leave questions there already? They sure can. There is a chat screen up right now. If you go to DearSummerG.com, there's a screen that's going to pop up and ask you a question, tell you to submit something. Awesome. All right, Summer. I really appreciate you coming on the Culture Soup. I enjoyed it. Your story is amazing. And we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Love you. Love you too. All right. What an awesome conversation with Summer Galvez of SG Creative. That not only wraps up this episode of the culture soup but it wraps up 2018 and I've got to personally thank you for being there with me as I rolled out the culture soup in this final quarter of 2018 remember we started in October and gee whiz look we've done 10 episodes that would be 7 regular episodes and 3 bonus episodes that's awesome So we won't see you again until 2019. We're going to see you on the B-side. And on the next episode in January, January 3rd, look forward to hearing from the great-great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker, the first female millionaire in the United States of America. And her name is Alilia Bundles. And I mentioned before that she was my very first client. I'm so excited to talk to her about Women's Empowerment. It will be the first of a two-part series with herself and then following on January 10th with Miko Branch, the founder, co-founder, and owner of Miss Jessie's. Don't forget that you only have a couple more days to get in your pre-orders for my new ebook. No thanks. I'll just include myself. It's only $9.99. Pre-orders, just register. You don't even have to pay now. They go on sale in 2019 in January. So do that. 
And then also, those of you who have applied for the 30-Minute Mentor cohorts, you'll be hearing from me soon. Thank you so much for applying. We've got some great candidates. I can't wait to start our group. Don't forget to tell a friend about us. Follow us on IG and Twitter at The Culture Soup and go to theculturesoup.com to subscribe. Everybody have a happy and safe new year. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communications.